Good morning, church. Everybody good today? It's good to see you. In case you're wondering, we will be here next week also. I know this is our third location in three weeks. So if you're keeping track, there's not a fourth location next week. We'll actually be here again. So you can count on that this time, I promise. Oh man, so good. What a, I love that this is a place that we can come and just be in the presence of the Lord together as a community. And uh, so thank you, worship team, for leading us today. It's just so good to come and to be reminded even through song, like who God is and his faithfulness in our lives. Has anyone had kind of that thought come up in your mind over and over again as you worship? Man, God, you have so, been so faithful in my life. We need to remind ourselves of that. We're going to uh, before I get into the word this morning, we're going to have a couple come up. Darren and Becky Mott, could you guys join me up here? And Bethany, you can join me as well. Come on up, guys. An amazing couple right here. Now, Darren and Becky are moving to, I know, oh, this is like a theme lately, right? Come on up. Yeah. This is the last one, so if you're thinking about it, go ahead and cancel those plans. Uh, Darren and Becky have been with us for... 16 years, as I say, almost 20, it seems like. Um, just good friends and just faithful servants in the house of the Lord. Uh, church council, kids ministry. I remember back doing family camps and the, I remember the pool noodle and the, and the first year you were here, they said, we said, how about you be in charge of a kids program for camp? And that was it? That was your only year? <laughs> uh, but they were faithful in our kids ministry and uh, just faithful in the house of the Lord, and, and we so love them. Becky was on worship team for many years as well, and uh, just faithful, faithful servants in the house of the Lord, and God has used you mightily, I know, not just through the practical service, but through touching people's lives individually, and uh, you leave a big hole as you go. Uh, we love you very much. They're going over to Spokane, not too far away, so we might get a chance to see them occasionally, but uh, over in Spokane, uh, Darren's cousin planted a church in the last year or so, and they're going over to help with that church plant. And so they, they're moving from one ministry house to another. They already found a church. In fact, they're helping that church move forward. And so, uh, and I know that's a, a tremendous support because when you start a church and you don't have a lot of people to rely on that are faithful. And so uh, this church is getting some really, really good people who are grounded and understand ministry. And so we want to send you guys out with blessing. We want to pray over you and uh, just know how much we love you and we'll miss you. I'm also losing a pickleball partner. So that hurts too on another level. Uh, but just this friends and, and ministry partners in the house of the Lord. We love you guys so very much. And uh, we want to just lay hands on you and, and pray over you. So would you stretch your hands forward as we pray this morning? Lord God, this morning we come before you, and we, we thank you for Darren and Becky, Lord God. This is a family who's raised their kids here in the church, Lord God. And, and to see the kids on their own paths following you, Lord God, and serving you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord God, for the legacy that they've left in their own family but Lord God, also in the lives of their kids as well. Lord, we pray um, blessing over them as they go out. Lord, we, we pray that as they go out into this next season ahead, Lord God, that it would be a season of harvest and fruitfulness for them, 
they have sown into your kingdom for so many years, Lord God. We pray for a great harvest, Lord. We pray for the salvation of their loved ones, Lord God, in this season ahead. We pray, Lord God, that you would use them for your kingdom purposes in this new season in their life, Lord. Lord, we ask that uh, just the work that they have contributed to here, Lord God, would be a lasting legacy in this house of abundant life. And we are grateful for them. We are thankful for them, Lord God. So go before them. Lord, let your, um, let your anointing even be stronger in the season ahead on their lives, Lord God. I just see a, a picture of them mentoring and leading and discipling one-on-one, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, the places in their life where they have discounted their own abilities or what they have to give, Lord God, I pray that those would fall to the wayside. And in this season ahead, Lord God, that you would give them a new confidence and a new boldness, Lord God, that you have a maturity that you've placed within them through the faithfulness that they've served you, Lord God, to begin to impart wisdom into the next generation. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would make them mentors in this next season, Lord God, in this church. Lord, as this church receives them, Lord God, I pray that they would, they would be able to just come right in, Lord God, in relationship. And Lord, they would just fit and graft them in, Lord God, to this church body, Lord God, in this season. Thank you, Jesus. God, I know that you call us to send our best, and that's really hard, Lord, but these two, Lord, they are some of your best, God, and we just thank you for um, the years that we have been able to receive from them and pour into them and their family, Lord, and we just send them with such blessing, God. I know that you're going to use their giftings, God. I thank you, Lord. I just, I see how um, Darren being a teacher and Becky being a nurse, Lord, that that is truly who they are, people who go out and just um, teach others by their life and their example. Lord, I know that um, Darren has made just a real big impact on so many students. And Becky, Lord, at work where she just lays her hands on people, and I know that they feel your love, God. And, And I just pray that they would go down there and that they would be teachers of you and um, people who bind up the brokenhearted down there, Lord, that you would use those skill sets that they have um, to be effective, Lord, where they're going, God. And I know you will because you are faithful, Lord. I thank you for the way that they've raised their children, Lord, to follow you. God, and I pray that you would just bless their kids, God, as this move happens and things change, Lord, that the transition will be smooth for everyone, we pray, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, just, we are so blessed and so grateful. Um, we've had so many people pour into our lives and the life of our family here, and um, it's a healthy church. That's why people can can go and, and know that, um, you know, uh, things are going to be great here and continue. Um, we see revival here, and yeah. it's hard to leave in the midst of that, but we also know it's bigger than just abundant life, right? And so, and we know you guys know that. So we're just grateful for the relationships and the way people have poured into our family. So thank you. And if you're new here, this is a great place to um, grow and to be nurtured and to worship and meet with God every week to receive solid teaching. Yeah. I mean, we, we leave completely full. So thank you for your faithfulness yeah. and God's faithfulness, of course. Amen. We love you guys. All right. Well, we're going to get into the word, open up to Hebrews chapter 
12. Men, sign up for the men's retreat. I want to personally invite you. If you have not signed up, sign up today. Don't wait any longer. You want to be there. You do not want to miss the men's retreat. It's going to be an incredible weekend. It's going to be an incredible weekend. It's coming up in just a couple of weeks, and so you got to sign up like right away. Don't miss out on the opportunity for this, okay? It's going to be an awesome week. So uh, if you didn't get a card on the way in with the info, uh, grab one on the way out. Look at the church app. There's lots of ways to sign up. If you're brand new here and you're saying, I don't know anybody, it's a great time to get to know some people. So sign up for the men's retreat. It's going to be awesome. All right, we're talking about faith under fire. And so I want to get into this message here in Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, when, when my son was in middle school, he started running cross country. Uh, and then in, in high school also ran cross country some more. And cross country to me is like a, that's a tough sport. It's, you, don't, you don't get to be on the track. It's all terrain. And then they'd go up and do these Regnar races up at Crystal. Has any of you done those before? I know a few people here have done those. Well, of course, my son has because he raised his hand. Um, that's what I'm talking about. But they're like, it's all terrain. And so it's not like there's just nice, smooth path. You're out running and, and down trails, and there's places to trip, and there's all kinds of things. And, uh, you know, life kind of feels like more like that kind of race than just the kind that we run around the track in the circle. Like it's the one where there's obstacles, the one where they're the, the, you're, you're on pavement and then it switches to grass and then gravel and then brush and then it's all over the place. Does that sound like a walk to you? <laughs> you just don't know what you're going to get next. It's an all-terrain adventure. And sometimes on this race of life, we run into things that become challenging and our faith is under fire. We, we, we kind of get stuck and we don't know if I can make it through this season. And many of you have been in seasons like that. You might be in season like that right now. And so we're going to look here at Hebrews chapter 12. We left off Hebrews 11 two weeks ago. Last week we were in the park. Two weeks ago we were looking at this series here. And what we saw in chapter 11 of Hebrews is the challenges and the triumphs of all the Old Testament greats. And, and like us, their faith was under fire. And we, if you read through Hebrews 11, if you haven't read through that, read through Hebrews 11. It's a huge list of people who remained faithful even when things were challenging. They stayed the course. They endured the trials. They ran the race. And today the author of Hebrews remind us that life is like this race that has challenges and obstacles and difficulties just like they did. We read about in Hebrews 11. The question really is, is on this race, when it gets difficult, will our faith endure? Will we stay the course? This whole book of Hebrews is an encouragement and a challenge to stay the course, to stay the course, to stay, keep running the race, even when it gets difficult. So turn to Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, or open up your church app or your Bible app. It says here, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We'll stop there for today. There's plenty to go through just in that. And well, let's look at this race that we're supposed to. Is anyone a runner? Does anyone like to run on purpose? <laughs> you like to run? Um, I've never been a runner. 
Um, I was more of a hacky sack and frisbee kind of guy. I, I was more my pace, right? But I wanted to be a runner. But as a kid, I was, my legs were too short. So I like really thought I could be fast. And I was like, I'm the fastest kid there is. And then I go race against someone else and they actually were tall and they would beat me every time. I just, I don't, I don't really enjoy running. I can run though, if I'm being chased. Um, then I can run. But that's about the only time. Um, <laughs> It says here that we're called to run this race. Now, I think it's funny because I was, I was studying this text out, and it, and it says to run the race, run with perseverance the race. The word in Greek for race is the word agona, A-G-O-N-A. It's where we get our word agony. And I think that's a very fitting description of what it's like to go and run a race. I don't know about you, but that's how it feels. It's just so appropriate. But that, that, that agony, it speaks to the struggle and the trial in the battle. It, it's talking about a race that's, that's not smooth, but a race that requires us to overcome, a race that will take some perseverance. In this race, perseverance is required. There is perseverance required. This is, you know, you, you have this idea that, you know, I'm just going to give my life to Jesus and it's all going to be easy from here on out. It's not that life itself is going to get easy, but there is going to be someone with you in the midst of the trial, in the midst of the pain. And perseverance is going to be required if we're going to finish this race. This isn't just a 40-yard dash. This isn't just a quick little sprint. This isn't, okay, I, I did that once. I did that prayer. I signed up. I, I, I said, Jesus, punch my ticket. I want to go to heaven, and now we're done. No, I want to finish well, and you've got to persevere in this race of life. It's not simple. Have you ever had any encounters in your life in any ways where you had to persevere through something that you weren't sure you wanted to get through? Well, you wanted to get through it, but you weren't sure you could. Perseverance. We're watching this show right now called Alone on the History Channel. Has anyone ever heard of Alone? They drop people off in the middle of nowhere, and they say, survive. And they get like a very few amount of items. And there is perseverance required. And you see people who are very weak-minded, and I, I say that because it's like, it's one day in, and they're like, this is just too hard. I just can't do this. And you're like, man, you took someone else's spot in the show. Do you ever feel that way about those kind of shows? <laughs> and you have these people that like, uh, they're there. Like there was this one contestant that was there for like 80 some days, and they, they had to come, and they, they, had to, they did checkups, and she had such mental determination, but they had to pull her because she was literally starving to death. Right? And she was so upset. Like that was the mentality and the perseverance. And sometimes life feels like that, doesn't it? In this race that we run, we're starving. We've got to persevere through the midst of it. And sometimes that's how life feels. But I want it said about me, what was said about the heroes that we read about in Hebrews 11, that their faithfulness was there all the way to the end, that even when their faith was under fire, they stayed the course. That's what I want my life to be said about me at the end. Man, when he was under fire, even in the hard times, he stayed the course. He kept the faith. So how do we run this race and how do we run it well? This whole little section, these two verses, the author of Hebrews turns into like a track coach here in this moment and gives us some tips. And so I want to just look at these few things that he tells us today. And I hope that it encourages you. I know it encouraged me. I had a couple of really hard days this week, and I was only partway through the sermon. And so I told Bethany, I said, I'm applying right now this part of the sermon. I'm not done writing it yet, but I can apply this part that I have right now. And the first is this. He says, look around. Will you look around? 
he starts out by saying, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, if you are going to persevere in this race, you've got to look around at the witnesses, at the testimonies that God has done in your life and the lives of others. This term now, when he says this great cloud of witnesses, what he's not saying, just to be clear, is that all these people we read about, they're all sitting on clouds in heaven watching us. That's not what he's saying. The term cloud of witnesses in the Greek was a term for a lot of people. All right, so they use this cloud, this idea that it's a great number of people. And so what he's doing is saying, it's not that they're just sitting around and they're witnessing us. No, what he's saying is we've got to direct our attention to this great number of witnesses who have shown us that we can run the race and that we can persevere in the faith. That it, this was the, the testimonies that he was pointing to for these people. Look at how they ran the race. Look at how they persevered, even though it was hard. Go back and read their stories and see their hardships, see the difficulties, and see that they kept the faith throughout their lives. Friends, when you are running the race, I want to challenge you to do this. Look around for success stories. Go find them. This hall of faith is a collection of mentors whose testimonies spur us to endure. We learn from their failures, we learn from their successes, and we have hope knowing we can run the race well. When you get into these situations, this week I was in a situation where I was really down. I was just so down. I was so frustrated. I was so discouraged. I remember saying to my wife, I'm just so discouraged right now. And what she did when she says, okay, but remember when God did this. Remember when God did this a long time ago? And then she said, and remember when God did this a few weeks ago? Specifically to the situation I was discouraged about, all of a sudden she started bringing witnesses to my mind. To bring witnesses, I want to remind you, look at this witness and this witness and look around at what God has done. And, and that discouragement started to fade away again. And I, I, it, was, it was such an encouragement to me to look at these witnesses and the testimonies that we have in our lives are like witnesses that help us to persevere on the race. Now, I know that when we get in situations that are hard, it's going to be important. I say look around. You've got to look around at the right people. Because when things get hard, people don't always build you up. They don't, if you notice that they don't always build you up, I will never understand why when someone is anxious about a situation, somebody comes along and tells them all the reasons why they should be anxious about the situation. Someone says, oh man, I'm about to give birth to my first baby and I'm just so nervous and, and the baby's breached. And they go, oh yeah, that happened to my friend. It was the most painful experience of her life and this happened, the cord was wrapped around the neck. And you're just like, you're not helping right now in this situation. All right? That is just a, any, if you're talking to a pregnant lady, only success stories. That's all you get. If you got other stories, shut your mouth, save them for another day, right? We need the good kind of witnesses, right? Right? Pregnant ladies, is this true? Does this happen? Right? You're going to go in for a surgery for someone. Oh, yeah, I had my, it was complications, and then I had a blood transfusion. Stop! Right? That's the wrong witness. And when those witnesses come, you go, oh, I'm sorry, I was looking for a different story right? I just want encouragement. And so we have to be the right kind of witnesses to others to start, but also we got to think about who we're looking to. You're struggling in your marriage, and you're discouraged, and you're like, I don't know if I can run this race, and you, you call up your girlfriend. She's like, I've been telling you to dump that boy for years, and you're like, wrong witness. 
right? You call someone up who was at your wedding and say, you stood up here with me and you said, I'm going to contend for this marriage. So right now I'm struggling. I need you to contend with me. And I need you to tell me and point me back to my husband. I need you to point me back to my wife. These are the witnesses that you're looking for. And so when we look around, we're looking for those witnesses and those testimonies of how God has come through. I know you can find them in your life. I know you can find people. There's plenty of people here in this room. If you're discouraged about a situation today, I bet there's someone here who has walked through something similar, maybe not exactly, who could say, listen, God came through. I know it's hard now, but God's going to meet you where you're at. And so we've got to look around for those witnesses and those testimonies. The second thing he says, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Look away. We're looking around for the testimonies, but there's some things we've got to look away from. We've got to look away, to throw some things off, because there are distractions, there are obstacles, and there are setbacks. Our tendency as humans is to fixate on what's going wrong. Have you ever found that to be true about your life? You have like 10 things going right and one going wrong, and that one thing, it's all consuming. We fixate. But what he's telling us here is to do the opposite of that, to throw those things off, to look away from what it is that is hindering us. This word in the Greek, to throw off, literally means put away or put in its place. You got discouraging voices in your life, put those in their place. You don't have room right now. I was thinking about when I was a kid and my, my mom told me to clean my room. That ever happened to anyone else? Oh, your rooms were all clean? Some of you right now, after church, are supposed to go home and clean your room, I bet, right? <laughs> You've already been told. Were any of you the kind of stuff it under the bed type of cleaners? You know what I'm talking about? It's clean, mom, right? Just stuff it all in the bed. I, I never, that, I didn't do that. I was more of a shove it all in the closet kind of guy. Uh, but <laughs> just make it look clean somehow. But that's not what the parents meant when they said clean. What they meant was throw the garbage away. You need to get rid of stuff. Like, I don't know why all these dishes are in here. I don't know why all this garbage is here. The clothes, we have these things called hangers. You can put them on and they go in the closet and there's dressers and drawers. Like, put stuff away is what they meant. Clean it up. Throw stuff out. The problem is, is if when we clean and we take all the dirty stuff and we shove it under the bed, we haven't actually cleaned anything. We haven't thrown anything out. And too many people, I found this in life, don't actually address their problems. They just relocate the mess to another area of their life. Where we say, I'm struggling over here, and, and I don't want to deal with this issue in my life, so I'm going to start drinking, because it's going to make me just not feel so anxious about this situation, and now I'm no longer dealing with this problem over here, but now I'm dealing with an addiction to alcohol. And we've just moved the mess from here to here. Or we take these places and we say, I, don't, I want to ignore this, and we, we're just relocating messes. But he says, you've got to throw off these things. Eliminate the mess by throwing some things out and putting things where they belong. And he gives us two things. I'll go through real quickly. The first is sin that entangles. Have you noticed that sin entangles? I, I don't know. He says sin that entangles. I don't know that there's a sin that doesn't entangle. It entangles. In Ephesians 4.22, we're told 
that you were taught with your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Sometimes you've got to throw these things off. Like, to quote, like, Taylor Swift, right? And shake it off. You don't want me to sing? <laughs> Drew, you want to sing for us? <laughs> Shake it off, shake it off. Okay. Haters gonna, okay. I won't do it. You got, <laughs> you're egging me on, man. You gotta just shake some things off. You gotta get rid of them. You gotta look away. You gotta change your direction because sin leads to death every single time. Sometimes really quick, but mostly really slow, but it's still leading to death. It will lead to death over and over and over and over again. If you don't let go of the sin that entangles, your effectiveness as a runner will be greatly hindered in this race that God's called us to. And I think that one is obvious. As a Christian, we know we're not supposed to throw off the sin. But he also says in here, and everything that hinders. And I thought that was interesting because he says it separately from sin that entangles. So he's saying there is sin. We know this. We, we all know this. We don't even need to spend a lot of time on it. Yes, sin entangles. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to throw it off. You've got to look away. You've got to do something different. But he says there's also everything that hinders. Not just sin. It's anything and everything that hinders us on the race. I don't know if you notice this, but I notice when you give your life to Jesus, suddenly a whole bunch of obstacles just poof, they just come out of nowhere. They just, all of a sudden, they just exist. I don't know what the deal is with that. It's like there's a thief trying to steal, kill, and destroy or something that's happening. Now I want to give my life to Jesus and there's distractions. And we have things in our life that might not be terrible sin, but they're also not terribly helpful. They're not like these things that are taking us down, but they're things that distract us. We have relationships maybe in our lives that they're not leading us to Jesus. They're leading us away from Jesus. We've got whatever the newest game is on our phone that's like addictive. You know, it was Candy Crush a while ago, and now it's who knows what else. It used to be Tetris before, you know, I don't know. It's just, you get addicted to these things, you know, and they're like, come on, play a little longer. I'll give you 10 extra jewels. And you're like, I don't know why I want jewels, but I want them, you know? <laughs> it's like this, they're built in this addictive nature, right? And it's not like that's a sin problem, right? But is it hindering you from being present with your family? Is it hindering you from being present with Jesus? Like we say, I don't have time to read my word, but I, there's time in there somewhere. There's time. Like we, we've found time to do things that we haven't done 10 years ago, and yet we, we don't have time. And so there's things that hinder us and distract us. There's also things that can hinder us like a disagreement or pride or an offense or complacency. Maybe someone hurt us. Or we're struggling with our identity and how we feel about ourselves. Or our abilities can maybe not even lack of abilities. Maybe having abilities can hinder us. Maybe we, I've, got a, I've got a great paying job and everything's good and I can rely on my money to get me where I need to go. And, uh, and so I don't really pray a whole lot because I don't really have anything I need. That's a hindrance to the race that God's called you to run. And some of you are in situations where where there's things in your life that are hindering you that weren't your fault. Things happen to you, or circumstances happen. You lost your job through no fault of your own, or some terrible things happened, or there was an accident, or whatever it happens to be, and you're walking through places where you've got these pains and these wounds and these hurts in your heart, and you're saying, it's hindering me on my race going forward. I'm frustrated and I'm offended, and here's what I will tell you. 
Yes, you don't always get a say in what hinders you. That is the truth. But you do get a say in what you do with it every single time. You do get a say in what you do with it, how you process it. I have met people going through the hardest times that have way more joy than I do, and I don't understand it. But what I know is that they made a choice on what they're going to do with what's hindering them. And they're going to throw off that thing because they don't want it to control their life. And we have things in our life where you have two people that can go through the same thing and one person chooses to throw off what hinders them and the other decides to just sit in it and get ruined by it. On this race, we've got to throw off the things that are hindering us. And I wonder, what are the things in our life, what distractions are keeping us from running the race? Maybe it's good things that aren't God things. What is it? Well, I'll tell you what, we've got to look away from those things. We've got to take our eyes off of those things. We've got to look away. We've got to put them behind us. And we need to, he says, finally, look at Jesus. Look to Jesus. He says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We're told to fix our eyes on Jesus. And this word fix in the Greek means this, to turn the eyes away from other things, which we just talked about, and attentively fix them on one thing. To turn your eyes away from other things and attentively fix them on one thing. When we're looking to Jesus, we're looking to him first as the ultimate example of someone who ran the race with endurance from start to finish. We know Jesus ran the race without fail. But we're also looking to Jesus, not as just an example, but we're looking to Jesus as the one who we draw our spiritual strength. We're looking to him for encouragement. We're looking for him when we're weak and we're saying, God, it is in my weakness that your strength comes. Lord, and, and when I am weak, Lord, you make me strong. And we look to you, Lord, and I draw that strength from you. You are the one who I find hope. You're the one who I find my vision. You are the one, Lord God, in whom I find my joy. And I need to fix my eyes on Jesus. I have got to look to Jesus on this race that I'm running and not deviate from that. We have got to look to Jesus. If you're going to get through this race, there's so many distractions. There are so many things. And even when we're looking around at the testimonies, what we're doing is we're looking to the stories of how Jesus came through and how God met us. But we're now looking to Jesus to say, I need you in this situation. If you're in a situation in your life or on your race, you're tripping over stuff, you're discouraged over things, I would tell you to look to Jesus. To say, Jesus, I need to see you in this situation. I need to see where you are. I need to know what you're doing in this situation. I need to look to your example right now in this moment because I'm discouraged I'm frustrated. I don't know if I'm weary. I'm tired. And we look to Jesus and say, God, I look to you to be my source of strength right now in this moment. And it reminds me of, of this story of Peter in Matthew 14. In Matthew 14, you have Peter and the disciples. They're out, they're out in a boat. They're out in a boat in the middle of the night in a storm. I don't know if that's the best place to be, probably not. Out in the boat, <laughs> the middle of the night, in a storm. But they see Jesus, and he's, he's walking along the water. He's walking along the water, and they're coming to him, and, and Peter looks to Jesus, calls out among the water, and says, Jesus, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, 
would you invite me out onto the water? I, I, I don't know. That's boldness. I don't know. It's like, man, I wish I would have thought of that. Like, that that's pretty cool. I'm going to walk on water with Jesus. And so he says here in Matthew 14, verse 28 through 30, he says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Okay, let's just pause. That's awesome. Now I water skied. Did anyone ever water ski before? Wakeboard, kneeboard, surf, whatever. You ever done that? And then I, I would go, I used to slalom ski, so it was just the one ski. Has anyone done that? Okay, it's a little harder. Has anyone done barefoot skiing? I'm just so curious. You've done barefoot skiing? It's awesome. I tried it, and I face-planted lots of times, and so I decided the one ski was going to be what I stuck with. I couldn't get the, the no skis. That's the, that's the closest thing, but you're getting pulled behind a boat, and so it's, you know, but you're on the water walking, and there's that feeling that's really cool when you're water skiing or wakeboarding. You're on top of the water just soaring through. That's a cool feeling. I can't imagine what it was like to be Peter and actually just step out onto the waters and see Jesus before you and just focus on Jesus, you're coming, and, and I'm going to get out. And I just getting out of the boat, and, it, and it's evident in the text that when he gets out, he's not really paying attention to the impossible. You remember the old cartoon, The Roadrunner and Coyote? You want to watch that? You still watch it? Awesome. The funny thing about that is the coyote's a lot like Peter, actually, in a lot of ways. But one of the ways in which he runs off a cliff, and he's running, and he he doesn't fall until he looks down and realizes that he's in the air. But when he doesn't know he's in the air and he's just looking at the roadrunner, somehow he's able to just walk along the air. And then he realizes, oh shoot, and then he falls. Peter did the same thing. He's walking along the water looking at Jesus and it says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. And, and Jesus saved him, of course. But here he is, he's focused in, lasered, he's looking to Jesus. And all of a sudden, he hears the wind and he looks and he realizes, I'm in the middle of a storm, on top of water, not in the boat. And he begins to sink. The moment he begins to look at the problem instead of the Savior, he begins to sink. And from what I can tell from the text, Peter had his eyes on Jesus. And when he saw those winds, he began to sink. I just wonder about this story. Is it more impossible to walk on choppy water than smooth water? Like, I, I wonder if that thought ever entered his mind. Like, if it was smooth out, would it have been like, this is really possible? No, it doesn't matter if the water is, there's swells, there's storms, there's choppy water, there's smooth water. It's all impossible, all of it, to just walk on water. It's all impossible. And he was doing the impossible, and his faith was engaged until he went to the distraction. And friends, we've got to look to Jesus on this race that we run. We're going to get to places where the terrain is a lot like that water, where we're walking and going, this is impossible right now, but Jesus, I'm going to focus on you because if I'm going to get through this, I need you to do it. And we look to him. We've got to run this race with perseverance, but we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because someday we're going to be looking to him for eternity. And I realized as I read this text when he says to look at the author, the pioneer and finisher and perfecter of our faith, also translated perfecter, also finisher. 
that when we're looking to Jesus, what we're really doing is looking to the finish line. Because Jesus is our finish line. When we get done running this race, and all of us will at some point, either Jesus is going to return and take us all back, or we're going to live our lives, and someday we're going to die, and we're going to go and be with him. And when we get to that finish line, we're going to look face to face with Jesus. And what his challenge is, is look to the finish line now. Look to Jesus now. In eternity, you're going to be looking to Jesus. He's the one at the finish line. And he is the one that as you run this race and you're trying to get through it, if you could see the finish line up ahead and see that Jesus is waiting there for you, I believe that that will give us strength for this race that we are to run. That it will give us perseverance for the race that we are called to run. And so simply this morning, this, you can just remember these three things. Look around. What are the testimonies and the witnesses? Look away. What is hindering you? Where is the sin in our lives that's entangling us? And look to Jesus. Look around, look away, and look to. Look to Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And I want to be able to say that. I want to be able to say that someday, a long time from now, when I'm ready to meet Jesus. I fought the fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Paul's faith was under fire too. And he kept the faith. And he finished the race. Let's live our lives with that same goal in mind. As we close this morning, I just simply want you to think about this one question. How's my race going? How is my race going? Where am I discouraged? Where have I gone totally off course? What do I need to do to bring myself back on this race? Where are the stories of success that I need to look to? What's, in hinder, what's hindering me? What's entangling me? So that I can run this race well, so that when my faith is under fire, I will be one that can stand the test of time. I will be the one that says, no, I will not be deterred. I am going to finish this race that I am on. Will you stand with me this morning? I want to pray over you and invite you to come forward for prayer today. If you'd like prayer today, we have some people that would love to pray with you. Maybe you're on this race and you're saying, I've, got, I've been looking around at all the wrong things. I've been discouraged. I've been looking around in the wrong places. Maybe as you're running this race, you're saying, I've got some things that are hindering me, that are entangling me, the sin that entangles Amen, I need to come and I just need God to free me of those things. Maybe you just want to come forward today and just worship for a moment and say, Jesus, I want to fix my eyes on you because I need to fix my eyes on you with this week ahead that I have. Come and get prayer this morning. Be encouraged. We're here for you to help you persevere in this race that we run. So Lord God, we come before you today and we run the race. We run the race, Lord, with perseverance, Lord God. God, you know it's not easy. Jesus, you walked this earth. You ran the race. You, you did everything that you were called to do. And there's hard days. There's discouraging days. I pray that you would show us the testimonies, the great cloud of witnesses around us to encourage us. I pray that you would help us to look to the right places 
to get our encouragement, that you would help us to look to the right places to hear the testimonies of your goodness, of your faithfulness, Lord, that we would look away from the things that hinder us, that we would look away from the sin that entangles us, and that we would look to you, Jesus. That we would look to you, Jesus, the one who will sustain us, the one who will carry us, the one in whom we live and move and have our being and find our life. Help us to run this race. In Jesus' name, amen.